Welcome to our CyberWise Chats, where we talk about the challenges of raising and teaching digital kids. I'm Diana Graber, author of Raising Humans in a Digital World and founder of CyberWise and CyberCivics. Join every episode with Dr. Pamela Rutledge, who's the director of the Media Psychology Research Center. Our always lively conversations tackle topics like cyberbullying, screen time, TikTok, and everything in between. We've got some great guests and promise each chat will give you the tips, tricks, and confidence you need to help kids use technology safely and wisely. All right. Welcome, everyone. Hi, guys. How are you today? Great. We are going to get started here in just a moment. Um, all right. So without further ado, welcome, everyone, to today's CyberWise chat. I'm Diana Graber, the author of Raising Humans in a Digital World and also the founder of CyberWise and CyberCivics. Here, as always, with Dr. Pamela Rutledge, who's the director of the Media Psychology Research Center. Um, and we're really excited to welcome our special guest today, Taylor Blatchford. Taylor is a graduate student at the University of Alabama, uh, where she presents her campaign text to regret that she'll tell you about in a moment. She presents it in classrooms, both in person and virtually, and we're also so honored that she teaches the cyber civics curriculum. Um, all of this is going to come in really handy today, where she can share her firsthand experience with the topic, uh, not only by working with young people, but by obviously being a young person herself. So as you know, we're here to talk about kids and dating in the digital age. So during the pandemic, uh, the only option for many teens to maintain and forge new, new relationships has been online. This includes romantic relationships. So something like a pesky pandemic is gonna stop teens from participating in what is a very normal and developmentally appropriate rite of passage. So before we talk about that, I'm gonna to turn to Taylor, put her on the spot. Um, we met Taylor because she wrote a fantastic blog post for us about a personal experience she had in high school that led her to start Text to Regret. So I'm gonna let her explain that to you. Take it away, Taylor. Yes, well, first of all, thank you both so much for having me today. I am very honored to engage in this discussion and I'm very excited to talk about online dating. I started my Text to Regret campaign in 2019 after I had an ex-boyfriend try pressuring me into sending nude photos of myself to him. And it was from there that I realized internet safety education is really lacking in our communities. And a lot of young people are simply not equipped with the tools they need to go into high school and adulthood, knowing how to appropriately behave online. So that's where I found cyber civics. And I was super honored to connect with y'all back a couple months ago and write that blog post and I'm really, really excited to continue discussing these topics today. Well, we are so honored. I, I feel so grateful to have met Taylor. I think I actually met you via a FOSI. Yes, yes, the FOSI webinar. Yeah, yes. so thank you to FOSI. Yes, thank <laughs> you. So, so grateful to have you on board. Um, so we're gonna jump right in here and we're gonna go back and forth with different questions, but we always try to ask for questions ahead of time. And I love this one because it's the one we get got asked most. And I think that Pam will love answering it. Uh, should parents allow their teens to date online? Well, as you know, I love this question because this idea that parents can control their kids' online behavior um, is, is sort of a marvel, right? Because kids are moving across devices. They have 24 seven access. They can hack any, 
you know, anything that restricts them. They have friends with devices. So you're not going to control their behavior. The best thing you can do is arm them so that they can behave, you know, safely and, you know, with some integrity and, and, and self-respect. And I think that's that's really one of the themes today that, you know, that I took away from, from Taylor's story is how important it is that you give people the right to set boundaries and to, you know, establish relationships where they feel respected. So it's, you know, it isn't a question of allow, it's a question of prepare. Exactly. Would you agree with that, Taylor? Yes, absolutely. Because when I was going through that experience myself, what I realized pretty early on is how lucky I personally was to be prepared by my parents for those kind of situations. Because my parents were always very upfront with my sister and I about what consequences could ensue by partaking in dangerous online behavior. But I pretty quickly realized that a lot of my other peers did not have that same education in their life. And so you're absolutely right, Pam, in the sense that you're never going to stop a teenager from participating in online behavior or whatever they want to in life. But you do have to prepare them because that's the only true mistake that could be made is just not preparing. Yeah, because their world is on and offline. There isn't a division. You know, those of us who are like super old, we're like going, oh, online as if it's some different place. But for these kids, especially now after COVID, it's it's not a different place. And the skills that you need online aren't different from the skills that you need offline. So it's not like you're wasting your time training kids to behave online when they're just the skills they need to succeed in life. Yeah. Yes. And I, what really struck me when my own kids were, one of my daughters was entering high school her first week, you know, there, uh, one of the girls that she'd done junior lifeguards with got wrapped up in a sexting scandal. And what she'd done is she sent a boy who was set older than 17, a picture of herself in her bra. And all of a sudden the police showed up on campus and it became mm-hmm. this really serious issue, which was so unfortunate because like, they had no idea what the consequences were. No one had taught them. And my daughter luckily had gone to a school that had cyber civics. So she went in there saying, (laughs) I can't believe these kids didn't know what sexting is or what the consequences were. So if a parent's not introducing it to them or a school's not, you know, these poor kids, they're engaging in stuff that they may have no idea the price they have to pay later. So. Yes. And I think, especially when it comes to issues like sexting, that's probably why so many kids partake in that behavior is because they don't know the consequences. I truly believe that a lot of them go into that behavior thinking, oh, it's okay. It's just another photo and it's not really going to go anywhere. But if kids were more aware of what the actual physical consequences were, they would be thinking about it before behaving in that way. Yeah. So we're going to talk more about sexting at the end of this, but before we get there, I do want to spend a moment talking about the apps and platforms that kids are using to connect uh, online, to have relationships. I wrote an article recently about this for psychology today, did a little research and in my research, I'm going to share what popped up. So my LOL is a self-proclaimed number one teen network in the world. It's site uh, encourages teens to meet thousands of teenagers like you You've got to be 13 to use it. But according to Common Sense Media, who does great reviews and all this stuff, they say that users often post provocative, half-naked pictures of themselves and engage in flirty or even sexually explicit conversations. Another one that popped up was Yubo. A lot of, uh, it describes itself as a place where anyone can belong, feel safe and hang out. That's been described as a hookup app because of the swipe left feature. 
And then finally, Scout was another one that's been referred to as a flirting app. Uh, this one, you have to be 17 years old to use it. So I, I, I'm going to tell you, you know, what I found. That's what the research said. I'm around middle school kids all the time. None of them ever use these apps that I've heard of. Um, so I think really kids are having relationships on all kinds of platforms. Uh, maybe you can enlighten us about that, Taylor. Yes, absolutely. So of course there are the traditional dating apps. I'm in college right now. So the most popular one where I'm at during this point in my life is Tinder, which is widely accepted as a hookup app. I've heard of a few sex, so successful relationships come out of Tinder, but it's very far and few between. And there are other apps like Hinge and Bumble. But what I talked about during our pre-chat the other day was how a lot of the times students and children are forming these online relationships on apps that aren't specifically made for dating. A lot of the time, these relationships are starting on apps like Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, or TikTok, which is especially new. And it goes to show that online relationships can start on any of these apps. It doesn't specifically have to be a dating app. Just like real life, right? The, the, you meet people, you know, in the hall or, you know, you just can't go in the hall right now. So these social apps are essentially where, where kids are hanging out. And I wanted to just point out that, that it's so important to train kids because they don't have the cognitive maturity to really anticipate long range consequences until they're about middle 20s. So it's really important to, to not try and scare them, but to try and lay out a realistic potential outcome so that they can, you know, take that into consideration in a very concrete kind of way. Right. And before we leave the topic about where kids hook up on these apps, a couple things. I remember when my own daughters were using Club Penguin and they used to show me the penguins that were dating. So I guess that was a dating app, right? So anything can be a dating app. And we have to remember our kids have only had online <laughs> opportunities to meet and have relationships for a long time. So it's so natural for them to extend what they would do in real life to the on to online. Um, but there's a couple, I wanna talk a little bit about vocabulary here. Um, when I talk to my own daughters about this, they tell me, mom, Tinder's a hookup app and such, such and such is a dating app. And again, I'm gonna turn to Taylor, like what, what is the difference? Ooh, well, I think the difference. <laughs> it's okay. I think the difference can be almost found in the way you described it. You just described it very well just then. Like a hookup app is where you meet people, and it might lead to just hanging out with them once or a one night stand or something like that. And then there's other apps that are intended to lead to an actual relationship. So it always depends, I guess, on what that person and the other people on the apps are looking for. Yeah. So that brings us to a question that we got asked too. What if your child is dating someone online that you don't know? What would you do if your child were dating anyone, right? That you would try and ask questions. And I think that, that the hardest part about online is that it's very easy for parents to get very worked up and freaked out. And so, you know, taking a deep breath, before you start asking questions is, is really important and being curious rather than judgmental. The other thing that I would say to parents is when your teens are, are just starting to explore other relationships, do not tease them. 
I have seen so many parents think they're having fun by, oh, somebody has a girlfriend or somebody has a boyfriend. There's nothing that closes that door to communication faster than somebody feeling like they're being minimized or disrespected, even if you think it's all in good fun. So be curious and compassionate. Let them explain what's going on as, as much as they're willing so that they'll trust your advice when you have it. Yes. And so, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, Taylor. I was going to say when it comes to your children dating people online that they don't know, I think it's more wise to focus on making sure that it's someone who's safe, because if it's someone in their class that maybe you don't know, there's a big difference between that and a complete stranger who might not be their age, who might be trying to catfish them or traffic them or lead them into a very much more serious situation than simply just talking to someone they don't know. Right. And I think it's so important to remind parents that most online relationships are an extension of offline relationships. And even though we're not having those right now, they're an extension of people kids already know, like in a class or through something in a sport or whatever. So you know, we, we worry about kids connecting with strangers online and that's just a small percentage of what happens, which isn't to say that we shouldn't prepare kids with what Taylor just talked about, like how to identify if it's a stranger, how to vet them and to have that open line of communication because that does happen. Yeah, the numbers, the numbers suggest that most of the activities kids have online are, are fine. But of course, if it's your kid, you don't want it to be one of the ones that's not. And the way right. to protect them is exactly what Diana's talking about. Right. And you know, the one thing I noticed in, in my research is like, we haven't given kids any kind of etiquette training at all. Like dating is hard enough in real life. And then it becomes very complicated online. Like, you know, one, one thing kids don't know how to do well is like how to end a relationship. I think a lot of times people will ghost each other um, and Taylor, you want to take, explain what ghosting is? Cause I've noticed that that's very common with kids because they don't have the social mechanisms taught to them on how to break up respectfully online. So they'll just ghost. Yeah. So ghosting is basically when you leave someone hanging, you just don't talk to them anymore. So you could have gone on a few dates with them. You could be talking to them and you could have basically started the beginnings of a relationship. And then ghosting is when you completely just stop talking to them, period. And it's usually very confusing. And it's definitely not not smiled upon at all in the world of dating. Usually it's seen as very rude, very, very unkind and inconsiderate of the person you were talking to. And I will say it's not just young people. I have two uh, friends my age that have been ghosted by people online that they thought they were forming a relationship with. So I think this idea of online etiquette extends across all generations. We have not established proper rules or you know formalities on how to do this online. So I think it's time for us to talk about that with our children. Some people aren't good at it offline either, you know. I mean, and so what I wonder is 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 whether that needs to be bundled in helping kids to understand what is a healthy relationship. Yeah. Because a healthy relationship means you're talking. Ghosting should not be necessary, right? So that means somebody's conflict avoidant, that they haven't learned the skills to know how to be honest and, you know, and forthright. And so, I mean, absolutely, I'm, I'm all in favor of manners and, you know, and, and etiquette. But, um, but I think that beyond that, uh, I see a lot of research about 
especially young girls who have a very romantic idea of what it means to date and to fall in love and to find the one and to find their soulmate. And they don't get training in being themselves, demanding respect or setting boundaries. And those kind of beliefs, those romantic beliefs can really lead someone down the path to victimization because they often will try and mold themselves to match a partner rather than recognizing that they're enough. Yeah. Yes. That's so sad. I noticed that a lot with young women, even as a college student, there are so many, not just women, but also men who feel like they have to fit a certain mold or behave in a certain way. And it's just so sad because that's obviously not how you pursue relationships. Yeah, and I think the online world heightens that because it's so visually, you know, everything is visual, especially the apps kids use, the Instagrams and all that, you know, using Facetune is so common and everyone wants to try to meet these unrealistic standards of beauty. And all of that is just heightened online. So I think that seeps into this whole idea of having relationships, which brings me to the other question that we got earlier this week. My teen is dating someone they met online, but I worry they'll be disappointed when they finally meet in person because virtual seems so for superficial to me. That's a loaded question. It's a loaded question. Uh, well, <laughs> so, so, I mean, some of it is what we were talking about with the romantic ideals, but online relationships, just like the, you know, le love letters of old allow people to really connect in a meaningful way. So online relationships can feel just as real and just as intimate as an offline one. And, and, the reason that that's important is is one because when a kid comes to you and they've been, they've been broken up with or they're very excited about something if you minimize it because it doesn't seem real to you you're closing that that door and you're not providing them with enough enough support but but as diana was saying most of these things move from online to offline they don't just stay in one place so 